0: Hi, we're Donnie and Chelsea. We're best friends, mortal enemies, and the hosts of I Am The Cute One. On our show, we'll chat movies, gossip about pop culture and current events, but mostly we'll overshare, trauma dump, and embarrass ourselves publicly. After all, we're millennials. So we've been living and laughing and loving through unprecedented events every few years our entire lives. So if talking is your love language, subscribe to I Am The Cute One. Hi, everyone. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, torg Oh, is Marvel competing with Netflix? Are they trying to come out with their own version of Love, Death, and Robots? Well, if they are, they need to add in, you know, a few more penises and and breasts and asses and things because y'all know love, death, and robots. That is not for children, okay? (laughs) The first episode of What If has dropped, and considering that those are some of my favorite Marvel comics, I am a happy boy. I love this first episode. Captain Carter is everything that I needed. It was a brand new telling of the super soldier story, and you know what? I'm here for it and I'm ready to talk about it. It's your weekly bonus episode of Reality and Comics 2, and I'm ready to get into it. Let's do it! Woo! That's right. i even get started on this episode i know what some of you grown-ass people are saying listening to this episode right now you know what as a matter of fact i'm gonna play you what some of you grown-ass people are saying to me right now hey this is Kaya from the bravo Wild black page and podcast and i like to comment on the first episode of what if i didn't watch that shit you see how disrespectful y'all are to me. <laughs> I sit up, I takes my time. I watches the episodes multiple times. I takes notes. Y'all don't give a damn. Y'all just disrespects me at every turn. And you know what? I love you for it, okay? <laughs> I love the shade and I love the slander. Listen, I know what if might not be everybody's, Cup of tea, let's say. You know, we are we are talking about uh, you know, a British superhero this time around. So it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but you know what? It's canon, okay? So whether it's your damn cup of tea or not, you need to be watching it if you're gonna be following along with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love this type of animation. I love stuff like uh oh god, who is it? Uh uh Modoc. On Hulu, I love uh, love Death and Robots. I especially love Love, Death and Robots. On uh, Netflix, I like this kind of stuff. Of course, sue me, I don't care. Listen, get into it. This is a great first episode. If you don't, if you know, if you aren't familiar with the What If comics, they're basically, I mean, they're self-explanatory, really. What If comics basically take a premise, like, you know, we have an idea, like, okay, uh, Tony Stark, is Iron Man, obviously. So, like, they literally just pose a question, what if someone else became Iron Man? And then they literally, like, do a whole issue based on that premise. It's not a whole running, you know, long... It's just a one-issue thing. And they're fun stories. You know, there are a lot of them. I've loved a lot of different uh what-if comics across the years. You know, like, I think, especially with... The world we live in now, I think one that I won't talk about it much, but there's one called What If Captain America Were Revived Today? Everybody should read that. That's a good one. And very kind of prevalent to everything that's going on right now. Because we know, we've seen Captain America, you know, in the MCU. But, you know, maybe we should think about what he'd actually be. I actually had an argument. It's so funny. I had an argument with my best friend. Uh, about this, you know, he's a comic book geek too. And so we talked and I remember he just randomly said one day, he was like, you know what? If Captain America was alive one day, he'd definitely be a Trump supporter. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, he absolutely would be. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. He would not be a Trump supporter. And I kind of thought about it. I was like, would he be a Trump supporter? You know, like, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, if you support Trump, uh, I get it. You know, a lot of people do. (laughs) But, you know, he he feels like he would be like of that mind of thinking like the, uh, like hardcore. He would not, he would lean way more right than he would lean left is basically what he was saying. And so he gave me a lot of examples and stuff, and it kind of made a little bit of sense. I feel like he probably leaned a little more left wing, a little more Democrat, mostly because I feel like we already have like a John Walker. I don't think Captain America would necessarily lean that way. I don't know. He just seems so, oh, I don't know. It's hard to say, but I say all that to say, that's a great example of, like, a great what-if comic. So if you're interested in, like, you know, if you watch this show and it kind of gets you interested, you know, I always tell y'all, get Marvel Unlimited, read you a couple of what-if comics. They're a good little read. There's nothing you have to know beforehand or after, you know, the fact. You can just jump in, read any one of them, and you're good to go. This is going to be a relatively to-the-point episode. You know, the episodes were only what, 30 minutes long? I think it was like 33, and then like four of those were credited. So like 29, 28, 29, 30-minute long episodes. Not not a lot of your time. Just go and watch the episode. This episode of the podcast, I'm going to, one, talk a little bit. I'm going to jog your memory about uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, that movie, because obviously that's kind of the premise of this what-if story. Then I'm going to actually get into the episode, and I'll walk through, talk about a little bit of the differences, and recap, and all that kind of stuff, and some of the things that I noticed, and then I'm going to get into two just kind of random theories that were floating in my mind while watching this episode. So we'll talk about all of that, and we're going to go through the things. So let me just go ahead and kind of jump into Captain America, the first Avenger. I got to take a deep breath beforehand, because I'm going to blow through this. <gasps> Little scrawny Steve Rogers is always attempting to enlist in the army, but all of his health conditions and issues, whatever, they're always preventing him from being accepted. He's recruited after yet another, you know, attempt to enlist into the army. He's actually recruited into the strategic scientific reserve for the super soldier experiment. During the actual experiment, Schmidt, who, you know, Red Skull, and Zola, the little evil scientist, send an assassin, and after Steve is actually injected and becomes Captain America, he shoots Erskine and then steals the super soldier serum. Steve pursues him and he captures him, but the assassin... Chewed cyanide like we've seen in across multiple comic book stories, just like if you remember Wonder Woman, the first one, uh, when they caught the guy in the alleyway, he chewed cyanide too, kind of a you know, implying that that's what they always used to do instead of being captured and uh, you know, brought in for questioning. Despite Steve's changes, he's turned into kind of like a, a message of hope rather than an actual soldier while out on an USO tour. He finds out that Bucky, you know, his best friend, Sebastian Stan, is captured and he defies orders to go and save him along with the help of Peggy Carter. After a whole ordeal, he returns to base with all these newly, you know, freed soldiers because he went in, whooped ass and, you know, freed everybody, freed the howling commandos and then, well, you know, that's what he called them, howling commandos and uh, went downstairs and found Bucky and freed him too. Steve puts together this team that we know as the Howling Commandos, basically made up of Bucky and, you know, some other freed soldiers. Why do I keep wanting to say freed slaves? You know what? (laughs) And they go on several missions to kind of mess up a lot of different Hydra operations, all while wearing his signature costume and, you know, carrying his signature shield made of vibranium by Tony Stark's dad, Howard Stark. You know this. Him and Peggy fall more and more in love. In a mission on a train, you know, to capture Zola, the evil scientist, Bucky ends up falling to his, quote-unquote, death. During the final mission of the movie, Steve attempts to infiltrate the last Hydra encampment. Schmidt, a.k.a. Red Skull, ends up touching the Tesseract with his bare hands, and he ends up getting, like, sucked into a wormhole in space. Now, remember, I'm going to pause real quick. Remember, that's the whole reason like why Thanos has a glove. Even Thanos, one of the most popular people, he had a gauntlet and people like never touched the actual stones because the mere power of them will like decimate like everything near round. Remember, I think it was the first guardians of the galaxy movie when they went to, uh, the collectors, like little place they went there and the uh the i I don't know her name i don't think they ever said but she touches the tesseract and like not tesseract was it the tesseract she touches an infinity stone and like all hell breaks loose because you're not supposed to touch it with your bare hands so that's what happens to red skull the weapons of mass destruction are still on board so steve he can't just like land the shit he tells Peggy over the radio to save him a dance or whatever, and then flies off to uh, into the Arctic Ocean. Stark, later on, is able to get the Tesseract, but he doesn't find Steve or the plane anywhere. Steve later awakens in our time, almost 70 years later, in a hospital room that looks like, you know, the 40s. But he sees right through that because the baseball game that's playing on the radio, he was actually at that game. So he knows that's not the current day. He runs in a Times Square and he's met by Nick Fury and bada boom, bada bam, bada bam. That is Captain America, the first Avenger. Was that enough of a refresher? I feel like that was enough of a refresher. I just want to kind of lay the groundwork. Y'all have probably seen that. I mean, they play Captain America, uh, First Avenger on FX and all this stuff so often. I'm sure y'all have seen it recently, but I wanted to just, you know, kind of lay the groundwork so that this episode doesn't just seem out of nowhere but even still you're familiar with Steve Rogers story I mean it's been kind of beaten into our head over the past decade so I'm sure you know but with that let's actually get into the actual episode we start off with the voice of Jeffrey Wright describing the multiverse essentially and he lets us know that he is in fact the watcher. Yes, listen. This is the perfect casting too if they ever do a live action version of The Watcher. Well, I'll talk about that in a second. Now, before I actually jump to the ex- episode, let me actually tell you a little bit about Uatu, aka The Watcher. He's a member of a species called the Watchers, duh. But He's the one that we kind of hear about more so in Marvel Comics because he's stationed at Earth and he's kind of like assigned to watch basically Earth and our galaxy. They're, you know, his race. They're ridiculously smart since, you know, they've gotten to study so much history and they've literally watched it all unfold. Uh, they're uber powerful and they can basically like will themselves back into life. Like if they ever die, they like can come back. To life, Just like, you know, just like all beings can do. No. And (laughs) the most important thing to know about them is they should not interfere. Their name is literally The Watchers. They're not The Interferers. But Watu, he does it quite often. He does it a lot. He does what the fuck he needs to do, okay? Watu said, you got me fucked up because I'm going to do the interfering thing. Now, this is random, but I told y'all I'd come back to it. We've actually seen the Watchers on screen in the MCU before. Where do y'all remember? I'm gonna give you a few seconds. Hold on. Okay, that's enough time. Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Do y'all remember? You know, we always know Stan Lee has a cameo in, uh, you know, all the older MCU movies. Not older, you I mean, what <laughs> six, seven years ago? You know, he. You know. That was the scene where he was talking, you know, telling them about whatever situation it was. But those bald men with the capes on that he was talking to in that scene, those are the watchers. Go rewatch the movie, people, okay? Go, you should be rewatching Marvel movies all the time anyway. I I tell y'all this quite often. Go rewatch the movie. The episode kicks off in June of 1943. He basically is telling Captain America's story as we know it in the MCU, restart you know restoring peace after world war ii yada 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 but now we're in a different universe where it doesn't quite pan out the same way we see agent carter i actually just did uh an agent carter rewatch love that show it should have been way more than two seasons that shit was it on a stick but anyway we see agent carter and steve talking about possibly ending the war dr erskine a k a Stanley Tucci in the movies and Stanley Tucci's voices this character that's one of the weird things about uh these what if cartoons because or animation I should say is that it's not gonna always be the m c u character playing the voices so get that out of your head. it's a little weird, but I know Dr. Erskine asked Peggy would she be more comfortable watching from the booth and she says no, she'd prefer to stay if we were watching Loki. This would have been her nexus event. The Watcher even says this is the moment where she created a new universe. We see all of the similarities from the original Captain America movie where the secret spy, you know, sets off the bomb, but before Steve becomes Captain America. That's one of the big differences too. Plus, in the original Captain America movie, Stanley Tucci like grabbed the mic or Dr. Erskine Chat, y'all know Stanley toot you from uh, <laughs> the devil wears Prada. Y'all know that damn man. He actually was looking up at them like in the galley, but in this, what, what if animation, they're actually all down there on the floor, like right next to the, the machine that, you know, Steve has to get into. He shoots Erskine, the assassin, Steve jumps out to help and he ends up getting shot too. But don't worry because Peggy Carter, agent Carter is on the scene. Okay. She shoots him and then she heads over to Steve. Colonel Flynn is literally only concerned about making sure Steve is injected with the super soldier serum. Peggy says he can't be because, uh, hello, ding dong, he's been fucking shot. Peggy makes the executive decision and she jumps into the machine and is injected with the super soldier serum. Thus, giving our, our episode, you know, what if Peggy Carter was a super soldier? the doors on the machine open and baby Peggy is looking like China doll. (laughs) I was about to say black China, but I fixed it in my mind beforehand. Okay. Flynn says, this is a massive failure. And of course is belittling Peggy every step of the way. This is why agent Carter was like so hard to watch sometimes because I wanted Peggy to knock those misogynistic bastards on their asses quite often she couldn't though but you know what i mean he's making comments like you know maybe we should you know we can use your blood one day to figure out how to make a real soldier you know she's like i am a real soldier he's like women don't fight on the front line we then see peggy you know taking out her frustrations on a punching bag just like Steve Rogers did in the first Avengers movie. Remember, that was when Nick Fury came to, you know, basically ask for his help and get him to join the Avengers again. Remember, Steve had all of those punching bags lined up because when he would hit them, he'd be going in and then he'd knock those suckers across the room. He would just put another one up and start going in again. I love all of these parallels throughout this episode. In the background, the recently st- shot Steve is on a treadmill with handles, obviously doing some rehab work. I love that when Peggy is venting, Steve says, you know, it could be worse and that she could be paraded around in a crazy costume, being told to smile 10 times a day on a USO tour. Now, obviously, this is what happened in Steve Rogers' version of Captain America. We also find out, you know, during the scene that, while looking out the window, Bucky, oh, Bucky, Oh, fine Bucky, is in the 107th and is shipping out. See, we didn't really get a Bucky reference up until then. You know, in the movie, we had seen Bucky help Steve, save Steve, try to get Steve to go out on dates. We've seen a lot of Bucky at this point, but this is our first Buckalicious reference throughout the episode. We then get the scene that occurs at the beginning of the first Captain America movie, where Red Skull goes to get the Tesseract from Walter Frey's old decrepit, half dead, red wedding having ass. Oh, you know what? Let me not get into Walter Frey. Okay, I don't know that damn actor' real name. He he will forever be Walter Frey to me. Okay. At the same time, Peggy, Howard, and Flynn are strategizing, and Peggy and Howard, of course, want to put together a team to head out on a mission. But Flynn refuses. They want to make sure that the tesseract. Doesn't end up in the wrong hands because it's basically a weapon of mass destruction. After Flynn constantly refuses, Howard and Peggy go to a bar, and Howard reveals that the costume he made for her, uh, her basically her U.S.O. tour, same as Steve, he made it for her, but then he upgraded it, and he gave her a shield too. You know, the child Howard Stark. One thing about him, he gonna give out a motherfucking shield, okay. It's basically the Captain America costume, you know, that we meet in the first movie, but with the Union Jack all over it instead of the American flag. Howard gave Peggy, he gave her a little nasty costume, okay? She uh, taller than most motherfuckers there, but she still look good in it, okay? Look, you know black people love monogram shit. Peggy was repping her set. She had that damn Union Jack all over her. I know that's right, Peggy. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Captain Carter was whooping ass, okay? She was flipping cars, throwing that damn shield like a damn boomerang, knocking holes off of motorcycles, kicking bitches, all kinds of shit. I know Sam Wilson, Captain America, was watching that shit like, now how the fuck did you get that good at throwing that shield that damn fast? Y'all remember Sam had to set pads up on trees and all kinds of shit to get good at throwing that damn shield. That's okay. Y'all know the black man works twice as hard. Okay, let me stop. (laughs) I was about to be Ebony K. Williams in this bitch. I worked twice as hard for half as much as now. I'm coming for everything. Peggy dropped off the Tesseract to Flynn and told him to promote her, basically, so that she can stay out in the field. Captain has a nice ring to it. I know that's right. She gave the Tesseract to Howard and said, I'm sure you'll know what to do with it child, Howard then fucked around and made the first Iron Man suit, oh, what? okay, this is a theory, not really, though, <laughs> but that suit, I know, I know, I know, I know it was an Iron Man suit, but it was giving me Big Hero 6 vibes, okay, it was, and you know for a fact that Big Hero 6 is a Marvel property, so I'm just saying, this is animation, right, I'm all right. Think about it. I'm just saying. And Steve Rogers is going to be the pilot of the damned, uh, uh Big Hero 6 costume. <laughs> That's not what it's called, but, you know, just bear with me, okay? Peggy heads to rescue Bucky from being captured. Some things never change. <laughs> he being all ignorant, talking about, oh, who are you supposed to be? The, the Queen of England? See, I know Peggy got tired of this shit real quick. She ripped that door off and shut everybody's ass up. They escape, and I just want to remind y'all that Bucky, even in animation form, still fine, okay? <laughs> Outside, they're met by Steve in his costume that we now refer to as the Hydra Stomper, and they, refer, you know, they, they refer, he refers to him as his dancing shoes. You know, we it's a lot of callbacks to, you know, the, the whole romanticizing of him and Peggy's relationship, so it makes sense. Now the gang's all together. I'm going to touch on this scene a a wee bit at the end, too, though. I got a a small, small little theory that I want to throw out there. And then we get a Peggy whooping ass montage. And while the montage is playing, you know, of her whooping ass. Flynn is on the phone with the president taking credit for every damn thing. Musty bastard. The Germans are getting in Red Skull's ass, but Red Skull is paying them dust. (laughs) He shoots the man that's doing all the questioning and leading, rips off his human face, and he does the big Red Skull reveal. Steve and Peggy are in the bar, enjoying all of the good work that they've done, and we get yet another parallel from the movie. Remember, In one of the scenes when Steve talked about not being able to get drunk because of the super soldier serum, Peggy actually talks about missing the effects of bourbon for the very same reason. See, I like that these universes have a lot of similarities despite having such hugely different outcomes. Steve is still not a a confident person and he basically details this to Peggy, but Peggy reassures him that he's her hero. See... (laughs) <laughs> no matter what university it is, I guess Peggy and Steve are meant to be. <laughs> See, this is just romantic. This is the only romantic thing I do. I don't like no damn, uh, you know, romance movies. I like action movies where people getting their headshots off, okay? The only romance I accept is in the form of Mayor of Easttown, and she barely liked that man ass anyway. That's as close as I get to a damn romance, okay? Back to the story. We get the infamous train scene, but of course, you know, this time with Captain Carter leading the crew. Big difference this time though. Instead of Bucky being the one that quote unquote dies, it's Steve in the Hydra stumper that's blown all the way to hell and falls into the abyss. See, let me say this. The scene where Peggy, finally has like an emotional reaction and is is upset because they're talking about, you know, the Hydra Stomper being lost or failing them, whatever, instead of the actual loss of Steve. That's when Flynn makes the comment, she should have never been in the field in the first place. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This just goes to show you that while Steve had difficulties because you know they tried to constantly equate him to a showgirl or a choir girl, whatever they want to call him, they ended up respecting him after he proved himself. The same exact Bucky mission that Peggy had to go on herself, but Peggy's respect is still conditional. Ain't that some bullshit? I know all the women listening to this shit right now are like, mm-hmm. the shit they deal with every day. Ain't that some bullshit? She goes to Zola, who she captured during one of Peggy's whooping ass scenes, and he squeals like a damn pig. She finds out that Red Skull wants to actually tap into an interdimensional force to end, you know, with Hydra ruling the planet, basically. Peggy got Flynn's ass all the way together when he tried to interrupt. And you know what? We love to see it, okay? Peggy is the captain of the ship now. Hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain. I know that's right, Peggy. Peggy gives one of those infamous Captain America speeches that we're used to hearing from Steve Rogers and hypes the team all the way up and now we're ready to infiltrate. After some initial ass whooping, they split into two teams with Peggy starting at the top and Buck Buck Magnificent starting at the bottom. See, Bucky at the bottom, that's where I like to see him. Anyway, Bucky at the bottom sees that Steve isn't dead. The machine is locked the fuck up, (laughs) and Steve obviously is inside of it. At the top, Howard wants to make a plan, but Peggy's like, plan, bitch, wait, I got a shield. Same thing Captain America be doing. Child, they too late because Red Skull has already opened the interdimensional gateway, and a big... Hydra logo-looking tentacle monster comes out and kills Red Skull immediately. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. In the basement, though, they get Steve free, and they power up the suit enough to, you know, kind of free him, and he immediately heads off towards Peggy. Howard and Peggy devise a plan to kind of... As they call it, reverse the suction. So like, you know, the tentacle monster was coming out. They trying to get him to suck back in. And Howard goes to, you know, push the buttons and make it happen like she referred to earlier in the episode. While Peggy is getting tossed like a motherfucking salad by them tentacles. At the climax of the episode, Peggy is pushing the tentacles back into the dimension. Steve, of course, is trying to stop her and reminding her about their dance lessons that they have. And she says, don't worry, Saturday night. Very reminiscent of the ending of the Captain America movie. See, I wonder if Peggy will wake up and <laughs> like Steve saw her in uh, what movie was there? Was that Civil War or no, that was Winter Soldier when he looked up. I wonder if he's going to uh be looking like Joe Biden at this point or if he'll still look like a little shriveled up ass D. I don't know. <laughs> See, I got another theory about that actually at the end. We'll talk about that in just a moment. When they manage to, you know, bring her back, it's almost 70 years in the future. And she's met by none other than Fury and Clint. AKA Nick Fury and Hawkeye. And she finds out that she Can't make her date. Oh, how sad. At first, I was kind of wondering why they chose to have Fury and Clint there. Like, it didn't make sense to me. Fury kind of made sense because it parallels the original movie. But I was like, why Clint? My original movie, I was thinking Captain America. Then, you know, I kind of thought, well, maybe, maybe they're making us remember that, you know, there's a Disney Plus show coming up centering around Hawkeye. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But then I remembered that scene in the original Avengers movie. And it's basically the exact same scene. Remember the scene when Loki appears and he has, you know, Peggy came out with that sword, but he comes out with the, uh, his like, you know, iconic scepter that he has and Nick Fury says something, like basically the same thing he says to Peggy. And it's both Fury and Clint that are actually there. That's right before Loki actually turns Clint evil. See, that scene. Now, that makes a lot of sense to me. Hey, have you guys checked out The Dip? It's the site that allows you to read articles about some of your favorite shows written by experts and fans focused on depth, not on clicks. Their personalized subscription site allows you to follow high-quality coverage surrounding the shows that you love and the shows you love only. I just got done reading an article about WandaVision, you know, one of my favorite MCU projects, and it said the only logical follow-up is Howard the Duck. It's insane. I mean, I love it. Check out the link in my podcast episode description. Click around on some of those articles and sign up for the dip today. All right, so I told y'all I had a couple of, I don't even know if I want to call them theories. I i just kind of want to call them musings, maybe. A couple of musings that I got from watching this episode. So number one, Bucky was in the cage with the other soldiers when they went to rescue him, which we all know is different from the Captain America movie. See, in Captain America, he was being experimented on, like down in the basement or wherever the hell he, they were keeping him. He also, at a different part of the movie, falls off the train and dies. This, too, is different from what if. Is this implying... This is my question. Is this implying that he doesn't become the Winter Soldier in this universe? Or maybe somehow Steve actually becomes the Winter Soldier? I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm genuinely just kind of asking because him falling off that train is what gets him, like, found and, you know, kept by Hydra for however long and, you know, experimented on and the uh, the Winter Soldier program, all that stuff. It all leads, you know, it goes into the same thing. So I'm wondering, in, in this universe, is the implication supposed to be that Bucky Barnes, James Buchanan, does not become the Winter Soldier? And if he doesn't, does someone else become the Winter Soldier that we know, the man that's responsible for, uh, dozens of assassinations over all those years when Steve was on ice. I don't know. Maybe Steve is responsible at some point, but I don't know. I doubt it. It feels like Steve is more so in the the romantic role in this scenario. So I don't think that works out, but it, I do think that it's implying that Bucky isn't necessarily a winter soldier here. And if that's the case, who's the winter soldier? Hmm. Is there anyone in the episode who it could be? I don't know. That's just one of my many musings. I don't know if it means anything to the, you know, the world of the the multiverse that we were introduced to in Loki, but hey, keep your minds open. You never know. We might have to come back to this episode after watching one of the future What If episodes. So I don't know. Just keep that in mind. Okay. My other musing. I remember telling y'all on this podcast, God knows how long ago, I don't fucking know, that the rumored Doctor Strange villain was going to be Shuma Grath, who physically looks just like the being that we see in uh, this What If episode. Do we think that that was our first Shuma Grath sighting? I don't know. See, funny enough, Shuma Garath and uh, Dormammu, who was the villain from the first Doctor Strange movie, they actually have dealings with each other in the comics. Like, at one point, I think Doctor Strange had banished Dormammu to where uh, Shuma Garath was, and none of that's important. I'm just wondering if we're getting our first Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness villain sighting in what if, in animation form. I don't know. It also, it could be whatever you know, entity or being that the Hydra logo was based on. Cause we know Hydra, uh, is that, we learned somewhere. I don't know if it was, is one of the, the property, probably agents of shield, either agents of shield or agent Carter or something. I don't know. One of those shows tells us about the kind of birth of Hydra and how it had been around a long time. And, how um the being that like represents them that like tentacle thing is what they've been trying to like resurrect for years so i don't know maybe it was just that maybe i'm reading too much into it maybe uh Shumagarath has nothing to do with this but i specifically remember this dr strange rumor and since dr strange seems to tie into literally every mcu project coming out right now I thought it was worth mentioning, so I don't know. Probably not important at all, but I at least wanted to throw it out there to y'all just in case, you know, in a year's time I can come back and say, I was right, I was right. Okay, a little bit of housekeeping before I get out of here. A couple of y'all have asked me because, you know, I've been telling y'all to watch Titans for I don't know how long. I I love Titans, and I'm hearing that this third season is going to be the best one yet, and it's going to be like the best thing DC has done you know, as far as like TV shows go, which is already true for me. So I'm ready to 100% believe this. So with that being said, I think I might start doing a little Titans coverage on this podcast. It'll be on these bonus episodes. So maybe I'll start off with what if, and then I'll add in a little Titans talk. Ooh, (laughs) not Ted, fuck Ted. Let's do some Titans talk. Maybe towards the end of the episodes or you know, maybe I'll recap. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Maybe I'll ask you guys opinion on Instagram and we'll figure out what we want to do with that. But I wanted to mention it just in case you want to go back and, you know, rewatch some episodes. If you're listening to this podcast the day that it comes out, then the new season of Titan, uh, the first two episodes should be available on HBO Max, which I am very excited about. I'm going to watch it maybe the weekend. I actually have to go out of town this upcoming weekend. So maybe I'll get to watch it then. Maybe I'll get to watch it on the day. I don't know. I wanted to finish my season two rewatch before starting a new season and I'm about halfway through season two. So maybe I'll rewatch it. I mean, I remember what all happens. Maybe I'll just jump to season three. I don't know. I'll I'll figure it out. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. Whatever. Anyway. Hi. <laughs> That's it. Check out some watch What If comics. I mean, I think you'll like them. They're good stuff. It's a, a lot of different superheroes have their own, like, you know, what if storylines. So you could probably find one you'd like. Watch this show with me because I have a feeling it's going to, you know, really branch off and it's going to end with some kind of surprise. Plus, if that's not enough to convince you, Chadwick Boseman's last performance was in this show. Like he lends his voice to Black Panther in this and we are not going to be ready to hear this, but I want all of y'all to, I want to cry right along with y'all because I know I'm not going to be no motherfucking good when I hear Chadman Bozeman talking back to me on that TV as chachala I'm not going to be okay. And I'm going to need whatever kind of support you guys can give me. I don't know if I can count on it, <laughs> but I'm going to ask for it anyway. And you know what? With that, I'm out of here. See ya. Reality Comics 2 T-O-O This is Kendrick and I'll see ya!